This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Obviously, on Homestale Radio. Are you going to be reviewing Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I can I can barely contain my excitement, but um, that isn't that isn't true. And it sounded so wrong. We should have left that alone. <laughs> should have done really. Just should have. Oh. That's going to be a clip next week on the introduction and everything. Oh God. For all our contact information and to send us an email, visit h o l radio.net forward slash contact. Good evening. Hello, welcome. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host tonight as we look back at a week that's ended in fine fashion for Palace as Alan Pardew's Eagles comprehensively saw off Allardyce's irons in a 3-1 victory at Upton Park. There was controversy aplenty and loads to discuss for the panel tonight and they are Ben Nagel. Evening. Nick Gillard. Good evening. Good evening. Albert Curley. Good evening. Good evening. And Terence Ford of Brendan Wombin Code UK. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. Uh, Nick's going to be in the chat room tonight. That's holradio.net forward slash chat for live discussion. And Ben will be teasing the Twitter community with questions to supplement discussion. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, for all the other ways to get in touch, just head to holradio.net forward slash contact and we'll respond to as much as we can during the show. Producing today is producer Tom, which means something will go wrong. And we're very, very happy you're all joining us for what promises to be a very busy show. We'll begin with our weekly visit to News in Brief. 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 The Eagles Brief. Element. News, views and reviews on Crystal Palace. www.theeagleselement.com All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. Details for Palace's away match at Stoke City on Saturday the 21st of March have been unveiled. The game, which has been designated the latest Palace on Tour Day, sees the club offering free coach travel from Selhurst Park for all season ticket holders and members. Tickets go on sale this Monday, 2nd of March at 9am to season ticket holders and members on a first-come, first-served basis. Further details can be found on the official website. Palace midfielder Adelaine Gediora has rejoined Watford on loan for a further three months. The Algerian has already spent an earlier stint on loan at the Golden Boys at the end of 
golden voice, at the end of 2014 before returning to Palace at the start of the year. Pep made several appearances during the start of Alan Pardew's tenure, however ultimately the manager has decided to send the player out on loan once more. There's no out to news in brief. Something's gone news wrong. News well in brief. Well done. Thanks for that, Albert. Brief, brief, uh, brief. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Nobody noticed. No. I suppose there's also supposed to have been a, um, a contact jingle, probably something that's bigging up the Eagles element. Go to theeagleselement.com for some interesting things. The, it, the, jingle, the jingle's better than that, to be honest. Is it uh, wholeradio.net slash contact if people want to contact us? It is. I said that in, in my introduction, Nick, but you're quite right to re-emphasise the point. And also, you're in the chat room. What's the chat room? wholeradio.net slash chat. We've got like, quite a few in already. Excellent stuff. Well, we'll certainly be interacting with those later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Oh, no bad time to get the giggles. Anyway, great, it was a great win um, yesterday and a very, very good performance. But before we can get into the sort of the nuts and bolts of the game itself, we have got to start the show talking about Mila Yedinak and the elbow to, uh, to Sacco's head. Um, I've got an awful lot of notes on this, and I do have to at this moment give credit to Lucy White, who essentially wrote them for me in a discussion earlier on. So thanks for that, Lucy. Um, but I suppose... You've got the, a PA? <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> Um, but no the first place to start has got to be why why did why did he do it what what was what was the action now I've watched it an awful lot as in way too much today to try and think about it because Jednak's a sort of play he does lead with his elbows a bit and he is sort of you know he he, yeah he does run that risk he's almost uh, he's almost one of those who sorts of uh Basically, he's always a red card risk for the, for that exact reason. I've always felt that about him, but I don't think it's a malicious thing. It's just how he jumps. But that, this is a different action. This is um, something that the more you see it, the, the worse it looks. Really, um, the best I can give in terms of a a reason for him doing it that that would make sense that it, you know and it, and isn't malicious is that he's running backwards towards his own goal and he's he's put an awful lot of effort into making that clearance on the turn uh, to kick it away from Sacco. Um, and maybe, just an absolute maybe, he's anticipating a challenge coming in by doing it and sticking his arm out to protect himself. That's the best I can give you from what I think. But when you uh, they say when you view it in slow motion, it's incredibly difficult to, to defend. So, um, Pardew says not malicious. Uh, what else is it if you're, if you're going out to hurt an opponent? He says that he wasn't aiming to do that. Palace are under an awful lot of pressure at the time. He's got a huge desire to win, but you know, at the end of the day, it, it's there for everyone to see. So let's get some opinions on it, gentlemen. Um, I'm going to start with you, Terence. Uh, you know, you, you're at the game. I take it. And uh, what yeah. was it? Something that you you all noticed there, and what was the feeling there? Well, no, it was obviously down the other end, and I thought the fact that Sacco stayed down when they're chasing the game at three-one, and it seemed completely innocuous from the stands that there was obviously something had happened when I see it back after I just I can't defend him in the slightest and for me which reveals his guilt most is in his post-match interview when he's talking about it he looks guilty he looks like someone like a small child like he's, he's usually a bit nervy on camera but he's always the same he's just a little bit you know, softly spoken, doesn't really get too passionate about things. But that his body language and the whole interview is turning away from the camera a little bit, and he's he's just acting in a completely different fashion to how he usually acts on camera, which just further reveals his guilt for me. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Oh, go on then, uh, Mick. Yeah, I've got some stuff from the chat room, wholeradio.net slash chat. Um, Robert CPFC, he thinks that Jedi will get banned. It's been called hashtag Jedi Whack in the chat room. Um, <laughs> Brinsley Eagle con controversially called it a Sydney kiss. And Dweeb said it was silly, pointless and a bit dangerous. I think we had better not better expect not to see him for several weeks. I think you might be right, Dweeb. Um, but what I noticed about the whole team, we seemed to be more physical anyway, didn't we? And, yeah, it was, yeah. But but the Jedi thing, he was nailed on. He he, he deserves to be punished for that, and it, it it shames me to say it because it's not what you expect from him. But the the players were definitely ramped up because they were a lot more physical, and maybe that's what brought it out. I don't know. Um, Albert, you've got a pun, and then I'd like to hear your view on it. I I wasn't going to say the pun on the air, but I was. You know, Jedi shows us his dark side for Star Wars nerds throughout the land. He's done him, isn't he? Basically, that's the only way yeah. you can um, sum it up. I think before the... Um, on his way back to the area, the, the, I can't think who it was, Jedi looked like he put in... He tried to go for someone in an attempt to sort of intercept the pass that leads to the phase of play that leads to the, the elbow in the face. So yeah. there's, a bit, there's definitely a bit of um, red mist in the air. I, I, yeah, yeah no, you're absolutely right. He did that. And um, there's something that I picked up on, again, watching the um, game back a couple of times on a recording I've got. On the 30-minute mark, he actually throws and connects with a, with, a, with an elbow on Kuyate on the edge of the area in the build-up to a West Ham chance. Ended up with um, Valencia on the back post. But, you know, it's again, and he's he stepped into Kuyate and had his elbow up and he's connected in his face. So, for me... I've seen, as I said before, I've seen him make these types of tech challenges when he's jumping for the ball and he does lead with an arm. But for me, it's all, if he's doing that in, after 30 minutes and he's still trying to do it at the end of the game, there's, there's a lot, you know, he's quite clearly been wound up by either something that was said or by the fact that he's had to fight to get back in the side or by the fact that we were under a bit of pressure at times. Something has, something has got to him for me for him to go out and behave like this. And, you it's, know, um, Cool. It's still not as bad as holding somebody on the ground by the neck, though, is it? It isn't, no, and it's not as bad as scoring a goal by elbowing a keeper into the net, and which is we'll come to sort of the Craig Dawson comparison uh, in, in a moment, I think. But um, I do want to get Ben's view on this, and perhaps some, some of the Twitter community if they got in touch. Yeah, I mean, I, personally, I agree with Albert. I mean, it's spot on. It's a bit of red mist. We all get it. You know, if you if you've ever played football, you 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 know, at any level, you get that sort of moment where you, you you know you see red and and you make a mistake and he'll know as soon as it's happened that he's made a mistake and um yeah it's, it's likely to be a four game ban i mean because he got sent off against sunderland in november uh sort of second offense means that you know outright regardless of of you know what it was it, it's a four game ban um and i think sort of most palace fans are resigned to the fact that that um it's basically going to happen we've got a few tweets in 100 percent people saying that um that it is uh, a ban basically Paul uh, at the Wild Sea says it looks bad and you should expect a ban but it's the inconsistency that winds me right up I'm sure we're going to come on to that and uh, Matthew Barton says uh, is that even a question worth worth asking I asked uh, if it was right and he says I've not heard anyone question it deserves the ban simple as that mm. okay well I, I will try and uh, approach well I'll put another different point of view from it in, in a moment um, just on one little one aspect of it but um you're talking about a four-game ban, and whether, I mean, I, I'm. Well, I would question: Is that a fair punishment? Because if he gets a straight red in the game, it's a four-game ban, isn't it? If you're, based on the fact that he's uh, been sent off before, so 
I think if he's going to go, if the FA are going to go after him, there's a there's a chance that they might they might, he might go more. But but is it a fair punishment for doing something like that? You know, that, I've that seen a lot much. worse get less banned for sure. Mm. But I mean, I'm trying I'm trying to think of a com- uh, comparable incident. I know going back a few years, there's sort of like a, the Ben Thatcher incident when he when he elbowed someone off the ball massively. You know, and, and there's there's just not too many. That I can actually think of, but uh, again, it's, it seems weird to be condemning our captain. But like I said, he, he definitely he definitely tried it a little bit earlier on as well. And again, as Albert pointed out in the build-up, so um, did so, anybody see him interviewed after the game? Yeah, that's he what said it, he ben, uh, was being said earlier. I think did you say it, Terence? I can't remember now. My head hurts. Terence well, did. Yeah, it was Terence for about yes. a minute. Nick. Yeah. Sorry, I was um, I was yeah. in the chat room. I kind of lost track of what people said. Oh, it's, a bit un- it's a bit unprofessional, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Since you put it like that, um, okay. Let's go to the inconsistency then. So Craig Dawson, um, elbow Speroni, um, wasn't punished at the time, so the FA had a chance to look back at it and chose not to do anything. Um, and and again, if you look at that incident, you can quite clearly see in the slow motion replay that Dawson has jumped and then makes a movement with the arm. So. I am not in any way defending Mila Jednak by that, but if that challenge is all right, then so is Jednak's, in my view. I, I, I hate the hate the level of inconsistency. So what do we do about that? You know, do you st- do you start trying to defend Mila Jednak and say that, you know, it was all right earlier in the season for West Brom, so we can do that, can't we? But no, you, you can't, can you? It's, oh, no, it's a stupid question. Can't, not at all. Not at all. But um, the way I always, the way I always look at it, it, basically, if that had happened the reverse way round, and Sacco does that to. Uh, Jednak, we're all we're all going mad, mm. basically, and calling him for a ban. But I think with the Dawson one, the referee did include it in his report, so the FA couldn't look at it retrospectively. Well, it's he said he saw the incident and decided there was nothing wrong with it. Yeah, but it seems it seems an insane rule in itself, doesn't it? If you're gonna have, you know, if you're gonna look back at the game and make retrospective punishment it shouldn't really matter whether or not the referee's seen it if the referee's wrong but there you go more inconsistency uh, Ben did you say something? Yeah I, I was just going to say I thought that was going to be your Mourinho moment then I thought you were going to reel things off Minute 31 Greg Gordon <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to have a whole list of, of Mourinho oh, I, moments I was tempted and I really enjoyed that interview Mourinho and the fact is he was right and got, I mean, you, you can go back to um, Sort of the debate on on te- uh, technology helping out referees um, and that sort of a thing, and I was talking on a, another radio show, which um, I do on a Friday, that I, I feel that the time has come for an idea that Arsene Wenger came up with a long, long time ago, which was referrals um, for certain things. I think again, if you introduce the sort of cricket style or, the, or tennis style, that you you entitled to a certain number in a game or per half or something like that, and and they're for they're for red cards. Um, or penalties, I guess. It's probably the, the two things that are really, really key in games. So that that's probably something that I think has got to happen because the, the amount of poor decisions being made these days is it's just on the increase for me. And it, you could argue our referees getting worse, but I think the scrutiny is just greater and greater and greater. And there's something else that I'll bring up on that in a minute, but I'm aware that Albert wants to talk. No, it's, it's been a funny weekend for referees. And, you know, we talk about the inconsistency, which is... You know the in, the in-game inconsistency is one thing, but it's when you look at the uh, Wes Brown John O'Shea incident yesterday, and we can all see what's happened. And and then and then the referee association release a statement saying, you know, you know, confirming that no, no, he 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 saw what he saw Wes Brown make the challenge, and and it's just the it's the the stone wall 
you know, there's no mm. way you're going to get any sort of apology or any admission out of them, for even even when they are wrong in an incident like that. So, you know, we can yeah. talk about Craig Dawson all we like, but ultimately it's it's pointless, isn't it? It is, yeah. And look, refereeing is a hard job, but then so is being a football manager. And The, the, the ref yesterday missed loads. Did you see the... Um, who was a Palace player handballed it in the penalty area? I think we it might have led up to the, the third goal or, or near about no. the goal, but it was a, such a blatant handball that the ref missed, and, and the ref missed loads yesterday for both sides. I'm going to pull you up on that. I don't remember it being in the area. The handball that was being complained about was MacArthur, but the replay yeah, showed it. Yeah, was in the centre circle. No, but the replay oh. showed it clearly, clearly coming off of MacArthur's head, nowhere near his hand. His hand was up, and his hand made a movement like he'd patted the ball down, but he hadn't. He was nowhere near the ball. He was straight off the middle of his head. Oh, right. So it was up, up, up the telly. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was no, it's clearly off his head. No, there was there, there were things it's that clearly were off his head. Yeah, Nick Gus, it's clearly off his head. Yes, hey, um, we needed some music for puns like that. Um, anyway, um, okay, let's bring this bit up. I've got a problem with the whole trial by media, but more importantly, the trial by slow motion replay. Um, and the reason I say this is because I spent quite a large portion of the day watching the slow motion replay and thinking to myself that every single time I see the challenge, it makes it worse and worse and worse. You know, the, the delay between him coming through on the challenge and then putting his elbow through. Uh, and it just occurred to me sort of about an hour before the show to go back and watch it in full speed. Um, and it's a completely different challenge in full speed. I'm not, again, I'm not defending it, not saying he didn't go for him a bit, but you can, it's a lot, it looks a lot less like it's deliberate, um, that there's a deliberation to hurt him, sorry. Um, and and that I can hear all sorts of crazy sounds. I don't know if someone's blowing in their microphone or what. Um, but yeah, sorry. Um, I, I, yeah, for me, that the whole slow motion thing really does distort every. You know, it's the same for for any challenge. Really, it just it just distorts the view of the challenge. I don't know, go on now, but you, I think you've said something. Well, I was going to say. No, I was going to pose a question. If you're up for the referral program, where you know, like Wenger was talking about, and you, you go to a, whoever, a, a fifth official who's looking at a screen, you know, are they allowed to watch it in slow-mo, according to you? Or, Well, um, I, think, I think to gain, a, gain some perspective, but you, sh- you should be aware when watching a slow-motion replay that it is in slow-motion. And if it takes, you know, four, two, three seconds for, for Jedinak's elbow to, to then start directing itself towards the player... He actually hasn't thought for two or three seconds about doing that. It's actually, you know, it's a, it's a split second. It's a split second of movement. And if you, so like I say, go back and watch it. Like that is my advice. If you can, go back and watch that. If you've got it in, f- in full motion, great. But even in slow motion, and just just think about it, the the, the movement he's making and in the time he's making it. Um, Do it you think it would help? Do you think it would help if the players ran around even faster, yes. so that even in slow motion it appears normal speed? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Okay. I, I think, or potentially play the whole game as if they're in slow motion. That like Benny, like a Benny Hill. They should all be running at Benny Hill speed. Yeah, I'd be more entertaining as well, wouldn't it? With, they should with play. The music. They should play night games under strobe floodlights. That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? These these are all smashing ideas, and I really hope you guys get in touch with the uh, the authorities and and try and put these forward because it's about time football changed, and this <laughs> would this would change it for the better. Um, okay, let's. I've said an awful lot. Have we got any views on some of the rubbish I've been spouting? Ben, Terence, anyone? I if you introduce reviews, it takes this whole debate process out of everything, though, and it takes a bit of the fun out of it. We've spent fifteen minutes debating this and that's that's what football's about for me it's about decisions and opinions and 
I know putting reviews in, you're just pandering to the fact that it is a big business thing now and that, you know, so much money can, it can cost so much money on a decision that's wrong. But at the end of the day, that's that's what football's all about. And we for, for years and years and years, everyone's debated decisions. And that's the way I like it, as far as I'm concerned. It, it is. And you know, obviously, a, a human referee is a human element. And unless you've got robot refs, then it's not not going to change. That's a um, good idea. Robot refs is also a good idea. You're, you're keeping note of all these, Albert, because we've got so much. I just... I'm going to, yeah, bionic eyes for human referees as well, like Terminator. That's yeah, but their, bra- their brains could still make bad decisions. We'll come back to this. Ben? Perhaps. What the punishment... So instead of fining managers for um, slating off referees' performances, they should make them ref a game. That would be fun. <laughs> it would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mourinho having to take, a take on the whistle for a game. <laughs> would Neil Warnock run round with his hands held up to his <laughs> eyes like glasses for the 90 minutes just to make sure he was seeing everything? I reckon so. I, yeah, look, there's, there's so many things to say. Arsene Wenger. I didn't see that. No, didn't just, see that. You'd just either. be looking at the ground. Yeah. <laughs> ben, I think you were going to make a sensible point. Yeah, just on Terence's point, um, about sort of taking the fun out of it, there's, there was so much discussion about goal line technology a few years ago, and then and now that's come in, and, and even then there were people saying that they didn't want it because it was part of the fun of it, and part of football decisions are wrong, decisions are made that, that change things. And say a review system comes in like like you were talking about, Chris, then you just get the same thing. In two years' time, we'll have a new point that people have latched onto that needs to change. And, you know, it will just keep on keep on like that. And I think, you know, goal line technology, fair enough, but I, I personally don't think you can bring in a, a system like you were saying. I totally yeah, see that argument, yeah. Go on, go on, I, think, I think they nailed goal line technology, though. It's, it happens instantly, and it's hard for any other decision that takes place on the field to make that decision instantly. You would have to look at multiple camera angles on all other decisions, really, with the exception, probably, of offside. So, go on. I was going to say, take, take that, that point of view, and I completely understand it. Uh, and obviously, bear in mind, I mentioned penalties and red cards only. Uh, Any time a penalty is given or a red card given, there's a, an ensuing melee of arguing and pointing and running over to linesmen, uh, and it probably takes a good, you know, minute and a half before a penalty to two minutes before a penalty is taken, and a good minute to a minute and a half before a player leaves the field to play for a red card. I'm just thinking in that minute and a half, having a referral, you know, you're not, you're not talking about. Um, you know, 10 minutes of, ooh, like you're in the cricket of watching the big screen replay. But I'm just talking about a brief referral to, to someone at the side of the pitch. And like I say, then, then players can just stand there for that minute and a half waiting for the correct decision. Yeah, my, my big fully, one fully that, agree. I, I, I hate the double punishment for last man, red card and penalty. Mm. That's something I'd change. Yeah, uh, again, and I think that's that's something. You, you, yeah, I mean, as a rule, anyway, I do agree. It's it's a little bit wrong, but then you know. Well, maybe also, they should rather than giving him a red card. Maybe they should get the goalie to face the other direction. If if you want to keep the player on, the goalie's got to face the opposite direction when the penalty is taken. Nick, you're like a genius, sort sort of <laughs> like a genius, but not quite one, if you know what I mean. Um, one other thing on the uh, the Jedernak incident before we, we'll have a little chat about the actual game. Um, if you're going to go and you're going to take, again, I suppose it might come down to whether it's in the referee's report or not, but if you're going to take a view, uh, particularly this is particularly aimed at the likes of Sky Ben, um, if you're going to um, <laughs> aim... <laughs> Very caustic. <laughs> it was. Sorry, Ben. Um, <laughs> but if you're going to 
focus on what Mila Jednak's done and the fact that he wasn't punished and the fact that it was an incredibly dangerous um, situation. You've got to have a look at Coyote's two-footed challenge on Damien Delaney, where in the aftermath, Delaney's so angry about it, he kicks the ball away and gets a yellow card. But Coyote has slid in, jumped off the ground and put both feet through, and it's only that he slightly missed Delaney that he hasn't broken Delaney's leg. It's an absolutely horrific challenge. And it's funny, I had a look on uh, the West, West Ham website, and they're quite rightly slating Jednak, but not one of them has picked up on Coyote's challenge. Not once did they replay it on any of the media. It's an absolutely disgusting challenge. Um, and I, I can absolutely promise you that, having seen it at the time and thought, wondered why the hell no one was saying anything about it, and having watched it back several times, it's, it's horrific. So why, so why this inconsistency? You- you should have gone for a nice walk this afternoon, mate. I'm getting very in depth. <laughs> You're right, and um, we haven't scratched the surface of what I thought today. To how many honest. pages? How many pages this week? Ten. Right. Usually, I, I, I let I let a little glimpse behind the curtain here. Usually, my show notes consist of me writing around three and a half words because I get bored, um, and then we just talk rubbish. I've got just over three pages today. So, oh, sorry. Uh, is this going to be like I, when the when the snooker overruns and they have to d- delay the next program because yeah. you just get so angry? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think we might have the radio version of Ofsted coming into the show. <laughs> I think. <laughs> all right, look, I'll do my best to uh, to not say everything, but I promise you that that challenge happened. You probably all didn't see it. Any of you see the the challenge I'm talking about? I did. Yes. I, I saw it. At the time in the, sta- the stands, I remember getting very, very angry. Of course, this was getting towards the end of the game, so alcohol might have kicked in a bit by now. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember just being furious because I was so mad at the sending off of Glenn Murray because Glenn Murray only made four fouls in the whole game and he gets sent off for making four fouls, which is Wilfred Zaha made five and didn't get booked. Balassi made four, didn't get booked. And you clearly saw that Kiate has gone through him and the ref's blown for the free kick and he's slid him from so far away that the fact that he hasn't got booked is just laughable, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Albert, you, you saw the challenge you got for you? Yeah, it was only compounded by the fact that Glenn Murray, uh, sorry, not Glenn Murray, uh, Damien Delaney gets booked for, yeah. you know, showing, showing a bit of frustration when in reality what he probably wanted to do was, was chin him. All he's done yeah. is kick the ball away from... You know, yeah, Glen Murray though he's a naughty boy as well. It, it, yeah, but we'll come back to Glen because his his he's got a huge number of talking points all on his own. It, it was it was an incredible influence on the match, both how it how it unfolded and you know and how how the direction changed, all that sort of stuff. But but just yeah, that last word on Coyote's challenge really. That I, I do genuinely think that if you're going to look back at as I said before, if you're going to look back at incidents in a game that is an incident in the game that needs looking back at because it's it might not have the same appearance of premeditation that the Mila Jednak's challenge had but it needs to get equal airtime um if you're going to start you know crucifying people in the media talking about people being crucified in the media hi ben hello how you doing yeah yeah fine thank you yeah yeah get him, get him. oh albert your oh. internet connection's broken it looks like that plug hasn't worked Restart for you, mate. Um, ben, you've got some tweets for me. Let's just do the tweets. I'm not going to be mean to Let's you. Let's do some tweets, yes. Uh, I've got a couple in. One on Yednak and one on uh, your point about slow motion. Uh, the one on Yednak is from Simon Goddard. He says, if Yednak is banned, will we really miss him? We coped okay with him while he was away at the Asian Cup. That's quite a good point. And our very own Patrick O'Connor's got in touch. He says, great point on how slow motion distorts. The same goes for still photos taken and looked at from certain angles. And I think I agree with that. 
Yeah, and it's say it's very very easy to um, to come up with a. It's almost like a. So they almost come up like with a storyline in the media. It's like this is your talking point, and this is how we're going to have to make it look. There's no attempt at impartiality at any point of view. And again, that doesn't. I'm not trying to distract from what Mila Yednat did. Uh, and it does look bad, and it's an incredibly dangerous way of acting, even if you, you go by what he said post-match, and that he wasn't really aware that the player was there, and he just sort of followed through and caught him, didn't really know how. Even if you believe that word for word, it's still dangerous play, and he still deserves some punishment. But like I say, it, it, I don't. I believe that that's, that's an incident that, that people are just going to... The term is a narrative. Thank you, Producer Tom. There's a narrative. He's, he's taking the sort of... Um, the emphasis out of my point by correcting me <laughs> in the middle of air. There we go. Middle of air. Now you've done it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do agree on the point being made about um, it, it seems less of a, uh, a, a disaster missing Mila Yednak than it had in the past. Obviously, it is an injury to Jordan much there, but we've um, a few people were sort of um, even surprised to see that, that Jednak had come back, but there was no Ledley or MacArthur. So it'll be interesting uh, to see what, how it pans out. Go on. Go on in the chat room, we've got Booted Eagle. This is wholeradio.net slash chat. Booted Eagle said, we will miss Jedi, as I reckon he would shore up the defence more. He won every header yesterday, and he did. He yeah, was, um, and we may as well talk about that point now. I thought the centre-backs looked so much better having Mila Jednak in front of them. And it was great to see that uh, when we were defending set-pieces, that Jednak sort of went in between Dan and Delaney. But all three of them were very vocal in keeping the line and putting their arms out. And it was the organisation was great between the three of them. Uh, and it, we looked so much more solid with, with Jednak in there, definitely. Mm. Um, but I mean, go, going back to the, the lineup that was picked. So, first po- point of order for me was uh, was once again the selection of Jordan Much, and uh, he was getting a bit crucified. And there was a weird bit of I call it sort of almost revisionism, I suppose. But a lot of people saying, "Oh, we didn't really start playing until Much was off the pitch, and then then um, Punchin was allowed to go further forward." Actually, that that ta- that change happened long before Much actually went off the pitch. And looking back at the game, he did all right. It wasn't spectacular, but he did okay. Um, the question, I suppose, really is why is he why is he consistently being picked? Because Pardew likes him. I thought it was all right. I mean, I haven't had the advantage of watching the game sixteen times like you have, Chris. <laughs> but you know, he nothing stood out as being completely awful. And he he picked a few passes, and and he's big, and he's actually mobile for his yeah. size. And yeah. I I think he's good in there. Um, and it, it just says something about our bench when with the players we've got on the bench. Any one of them could have been in the first team today. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, and again, obviously, MacArthur's coming back from from injury. Um, Joe Ledley, uh, Pardew said, was dropped to accommodate Jedinak rather than to accommodate uh, Much. So it's um, I don't know, Terence. What's your what's your view of Much's performance from what you saw in the game? I, I think the reason he plays him is because there's just a, I just we said it a couple of weeks ago. There's a completely lack of creativity from the central part of our midfield. Obviously, that's changed since we put Punchin in there in the last couple of games. But from Ledley, McCarthy, Ledley and McCarthy, I think they account for two assists between them for the entire season, which is just not enough. So it, that's what makes us sort of a narrow, narrow-minded narrow attacking side in terms of we're always going down the flanks to try and get in the balls and it makes us predictable. So he's put much in there to try and get some more creativity out of that central area. And I think he showed in flashes against Arsenal that he could, he had that little pass in behind, the cute little pass that you need to unlock defences from central areas. And 
But obviously putting punching in the middle has added that element as well now. But I think that's why Much got the nod over MacArthur or Ledley in there. Mm, there's Go on, Nick. Do we know how long he's out for? Because it, it was apparent from what you say, you know, you're right, he's, he is a creative player, but we did get better once he went off. And I don't know whether that was because he went off or because MacArthur came on. I'm, not, I'm, still, I'm still not convinced that that was the case. I don't think there was this, this sort of linear moment between much going off and MacArthur coming on the pitch. <sighs> well, maybe it's better. The moment we got better was when Punch actually woke up after about 25 yeah, minutes, so, truth be yeah. told. Yeah, that is that is probably the truth. Um, actually, just going very very back, um, Ben. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just going very very back. <laughs> Please stop pointing out how stupid I'm sounding, Ben. You've written something. Yeah, right. Basically, um, we were talking about Kiate just really quickly. I've retweeted the tackle for anyone who's listening but hasn't seen it or wants to watch it back. Um, get on our Twitter at HOR Radio and you can watch that back and, and make your own mind up. Oh, brilliant, yeah. So yeah, that was retweeted off of Simon Goddard, Cov Eagle's account there. Uh, he sh- shared us with the two-footed tackle on demo. Very, very interesting. So you make your own minds up and see if I was right when I was ranting about it sort of indirectly earlier. Um, brooms- oh, I've got chat stuff as well. Go on, Nick. Oh, I've got to read it. Alan Pardew plays Jordan much because he can pass the ball accurately. Uh, that's from Brimsco Eagle. Um where where was that? Where was that quest? Where did we get that from? What's the uh, what's the uh, web address? Brin Brin School Eagle. No, I mean, but um, that wasn't a tweet. That was from the chat room. How did we get into the chat room, Chris? Holradio.net forward slash chat. I feel I've got it's like an out of body experience at the moment. I don't really know what's going on. It's all sort of derailed in the last couple. Yeah. Hello. Hello, Albert. Hello. Lovely boy. There he is. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Let's uh, let's reset everyone because um, it's it's gone a little bit all over the shop. Um, going obviously we talk about Jordan Much being picked, but but why he's being picked? I think the biggest factor for me is that Jordan Much was, was is lacking is lacking match sharpness. Okay. And the only way of getting him match sharpness is to play him on a regular basis. And people are quite rightly arguing: Are we in a position where we can do that? My answer to that is yes, we are. Um, you know, it's not. It's not. Until, until obviously now he's injured, it might it might change things. But we were very much in a position to to be given him that game time because the idea that he's offering absolutely nothing is, is for me one of those sort of internet message boards fall- yeah, message boards fallacies. And in, in that, he just quite frankly, he is he's contributing. He is linking play. He's not done anything spectacular. He's not done anything out of the ordinary. He's not smashed one in from thirty yards or given anyone a direct assist yet but he's he's you know he's solid and unspectacular but he, he's contributing uh, albert yeah it, it just sounded like you said phallus there but we'll, we'll move on um no i think uh, just backing up just backing up what you said he needs matt sharpness um ledley's looked tired for me in the last couple of games macarthur's been injured uh Yedinak's obviously still on the back end of the asia cup i, th- I don't think anyone can you know you can't knock Pardew for starting much because he, he does need to get up to up to speed and as you've quite rightly said the only way to do that is to chuck him in mm. Ben um, yeah I don't think it's helped him that he's come in without playing a, a huge amount of games for QPR and he's not you know, you know when you buy a player and he, they've been excellent for their previous club and you sort of think oh it's a fantastic signing you know yeah he didn't play an awful lot for QPR in you know sort of the last six months year or so and I think that that hasn't really helped him so he's not coming in with a really high expectation from the Palace fans, and he's got to prove himself to Palace fans because potentially they haven't seen too much of uh, of him in the, in the past. No. Um, so I do think, yeah, like you say, he needs a bit of game time. He needs a chance, really. 
and um, potentially, you know, if Yannet does get a ban, that'll be that'll be sort of his chance to get a foothold in the team and, and really prove himself over the next month. Yeah, do it again, obviously, depending on the severity of the injury, it looked to be like either a thigh or a, or a hamstring strain. By the way, he went off the pitch, so we could well be missing for a couple of weeks. Yeah. We've had a lot, lot of problems with uh, with muscular injuries in, in the leg as well, in, in the side, you know, particularly hamstring injuries. And I don't think our pitch is uh, is helping people in that in that side of things. In all honesty, um, just trying to pick up. Actually, you're on tweets, Ben. I won't try and pick up on them. But uh, I just noticed Richard Green agreeing on the, the Coyote challenge, calling it criminal. Absolutely right. Just say properly horrific. Um, okay, uh, one of the other changes that was was made was bringing Kelly back in for Soiree, and I thought Kelly was excellent. Properly, you know, so, solid performance as a left back. I'm pretty sure as soon as I saw the uh, the lineup change, I thought uh, height's going to be a factor. Um, not only your or West Ham and Allardyce side, and therefore very physical and um, you know relatively well drilled at set pieces. <laughs> As it turned out, they didn't quite pan out that way. <laughs> but, um, but also, you know, it's it, it, you know, Suarez hadn't done anything terrible, but it just it just you know it just seemed to be a tactical change for me, um, and I think it worked. And although I thought Joe Joe Ledley coming on in the final ten minutes really did help him out because he was starting to get overrun on that side, uh, a very very solid performance. What did you reckon, Terence? Yeah, I've, um, I think taking Suarez out is more just um, taking him out of the firing line a bit. He's gonna, you've got to give him time to acclimatise a little bit. I think he, sh- he showed in the Arsenal game that, you know, Arsenal are one of the best teams at being able to pull you all over the place, and he just wasn't quite up to the pace of the game. I don't think there's any point leaving him in there to like make mistake after mistake. You just drop him in a game or two in a row and then take him out for a couple, just let him get up to speed with everything, learn the game. If you just leave him in there, he's a sitting duck and he makes mistakes and it could ruin his career before it's even got started. So I think it's a good idea to drop him out every now and then. And it shows, just shows that, you know, Kelly is actually a, a quality defender. He sort of almost got a bit too much stick for me when he was, uh, when he was in the side and people were so keen to get a left footed left back in that I think some of the work he, he did went a bit, a bit unnoticed, but, but there you go. I mean, you know, it's it's a difficult situation for Kelly in a lot of ways because he's, but but it, it's one of those things where you you Suarez got this competition for for a place now as has Kelly and and it should bring the best out of both of them in the long term. So, um, and obviously Kelly can also cover it right back uh, if Joel Ward. Um, there you go. Uh, anyway, so hmm. now I guess get one more view. We've got some stuff from you, Ben, on on Twitter. Yeah, a couple of tweets. Tom McLaughlin's got in touch about James MacArthur. Uh, something that I agree with as well. I think he's fantastic every time he plays. He says, MacArthur completely changed the game and showed just how much we need him going forward and in defence. And a quick point from Colin Squires on why Jordan much played. He says, Ledley had a hip injury and MacArthur has just been out injured and that might be why he got picked. I think it's quite a good point. Potentially he was just you know, the most fit of, of those midfielders, those defensive midfielders, and, and got picked because of that. Yeah, no, fair point. Um, just noticed we we did have uh, some contact from the chat room there, but if you're going to uh, say call someone a complete moron, your point of view isn't going to get read out on our radio. It's just you know, get a grip, mate. He's a melee fan, apparently. Mm. Okay. Bit of an awkward silence there, but I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was, wasn't impressed can with I, that, Nick. Wasn't impressed I, um, with that. Can you? Can, you, can I um, just come in with somebody's been really succinct? If you if you. I can only listen to one uh, thirty seconds of the podcast. I'll do the whole game game for you, as by J Dog Three in the chat room. Evening all. Murray good. Kelly good. Pleased it wasn't Soiree. What was Jedi thinking? For Allardyce was his usual morose self, but a good result. Bit thin on strikers for Tuesday though. 
That's it. You got, go? You've got three pages of notes. We'll, we'll right, go. Thank you for listening. Um, we'll see you next <laughs> week. <laughs> hey, Ben, don't steal my goodbye. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, look, go, go back to... Um, let's, let's, let's talk Glenn Murray. It's a good, good time to talk Glenn Murray. Uh, great to see him get a start. Uh, obviously, get sent off to give to give the full mix. Um, but uh, we'll talk about the goals first. Obviously, deflected header uh, and a, and a, then a great diving header. And I want to mention now. I was doing the commentary on the Eagles Element um, Twitter account, and a West Ham fan was uh, on a, one of one of our sister accounts was moaning about um, moaning about Glenn Murray from, for diving, and he's like, "Murray is such a diver." And I replied back about ten minutes into the game, actually. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around, to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Reply back with diving header, question mark. And he quite rightly, as soon as Murray put a diving header in, he quite rightly uh, tweeted back with top banter. But it's, I mean... Yeah, <laughs> quite rightly. I felt, felt very smug at that moment. Top but um, it, was, it was very, very clever, the whole game. That's the best thing about Murray. I mean, not just being able to actually put the ball in the net, but you know, winning that free kick, he got criticised for being a diver in, in some areas, but he hasn't actually properly dived he's just stopped running and let the, let the player run into him and take him you know that's that's clever i'm sorry it's cynical and we wouldn't like it if it's against us but you know that he's obviously such a such such a bright it's what, player that's what all the top four teams do completely right completely right ben yeah that's teamed me up perfectly for my point actually on on murray being clever he is he's just essentially a less clever version of diego costa because he does it and gets away with it um you know he, he's the kind of player that a, central defenders hate to play against because he's always in your ear he's always uh, you know he kicks out and he, he does little tiny things that he tries to get away with but but Glenn didn't get away with it yesterday and that's something that you know even today in the in the Capital One Cup final Diego Costa had squared up with four Tottenham players in the first half an hour it's just it's just what a, a good centre forward does he just winds the defence up yeah, he, he occupied again. We talk about this thing of a, of a lone striker trying to have to occupy a back four on his own at times, and that's what Glenn Murray did. And he was, you know, very very isolated at times, particularly early in the game when we weren't really um, weren't really playing so well, and and looked a little bit patchy up there. Sort of again, and I suppose probably his first yellow card is, is an example of what I mean by that because it's a little bit of a loose touch um, and back in back in towards his own goal kind of thing, and he's just swung a boot at it and kicked a Coyote in the knee. So it's a little bit. You know, that's the sort of thing that I'm talking about where I say he's a little bit patchy at times, but as soon as we got into the game and we got midfield close to him, his link-up play was superb. He got in on goal a couple of times and, and you know, every, every shot at the target, okay, a bit too much hitting, hitting the goalkeeper, I suppose, if you're being ultra-critical of him, but, you know, he was a real danger and a real pain for that defence the whole time. Nick? Yeah, it was, it was when 
Punchin came alive, wasn't it? Her boo in the chat room, wholeradio.net slash chat boo, has said that Punchin had his first worst 15 minutes, the first 15 minutes, and then his best 75. And it's exactly right. He was giving the ball away a lot, according to King B, and then suddenly he started to play brilliantly, and without him, we wouldn't have scored the three goals because he set them up. That's he right. He set them up. And it was just not telepathy, but Punchin knew where Murray was going to be, and he, Murray was coming either side of him. So yeah. Murray was making the runs, confusing the defence, not doing the same thing every time as well. So no, you're, you're he, right. he was getting himself about so much. And that, that first goal, that's the softest first goal I've ever seen, but it was on target, so yeah. it's easy, isn't it? Yeah, no, you're right, Nick, and, and you, you're right in the sense that we can't, we almost can't talk about Murray without talking about punching because it, it was the two of them getting that they getting their play close together, and, and I completely agree with the comment that, that punching was shocking for 15 minutes, um, and I think again watching watching the game back, um, he, he sort of played himself into it after half an hour, but I mean even about 25 minutes he was still still played a loose pass backwards and put put the West Ham winger in on the left hand side. In fact, West Ham winger, I think it was the overlapping Cresswell to be precise, but yeah, he um, yeah, he, he just he just couldn't find anyone with his pass, and he just just looked a little bit out of it. But as soon as it clicked for him, it goes back to what Alex was saying last week. It's like having Paul Scholes in there. He's absolutely phenomenal. Um, I'll talk about punching in a little bit, but going back to to Glenn Murray, we've got to, we're going to talk about how well he did um, the goals he scored. We've got to talk about those fouls. The first foul is a yellow card, uh, but it's it's very very early in the game and on. A, Eight minutes into the game, Sacco does the exact same thing on Delaney. Delaney clears the ball, and then Sacco goes in a good couple of seconds later, clatters him. Uh, Delaney gets up, doesn't make a fuss, no yellow card. You know, Glenn does it. Okay, it's a bad foul, and he's effectively volleyed a guy's knee, but you've got to be consistent yet again, and yet again, we don't see that. But it is a yellow card. And what about the foul on 30 minutes, guys? What do you think? Is he, um, well, Albert, you've asked a question in the chat there. <laughs> is he lucky? You've got all Marino on the, on the 30th minute. Like you know, I th- I thought he was I thought he was going to go on the yeah that thirtieth minute challenge. I'm really cynical, and the the problem the problem for me, as good as he was yesterday, and you know we all yeah obviously we won the game, he won us the game, but you know it could have been a very different story. And the, what what I found frustrating is the the fouls he was committing. You know, there's, there's there was no need for them. They're not in dangerous areas. Mm. Cer- certainly, for what you know, like I say, what I would have deemed a second yellow in the first half. And then the challenge that he did get sent off for. All right, um, Winston Reed's made a right meal of it. But if he do, if he doesn't do it, he doesn't give the the ref a, a decision to make. And it's it's in it's in really innocuous places of the pitch, and we just don't need it. And he, he pretty much said that himself at the end of the game, Albert, didn't he? In the interview, he said, "I gave the ref the opportunity to send him off." Yeah, again, this this is the point. And he was told he was told at half time not to make any any stupid challenges, and he said that he managed to do that. You know. When it was outside the area, he could do that. But he said he actually he physically couldn't resist. It was a reaction when he's in the area and, you know, there's a sniff of a goal or a sniff of a chance to get the foot on the ball in the area. He just, just couldn't help himself. He couldn't couldn't help but put that challenge in. But going back to what you were saying earlier, Terence, he didn't actually put in that many bad challenges. It's just every challenge he made seemed to be, you know, a fraction of a second late and and to catch the player in, in sort of a quite a bad way. But yeah, they're cynical, aren't they? They, were, they weren't honest challenges that were slightly mistimed. They were, you know, again, the, the, the swinging a leg out and kicking someone in the leg. Like, no need to do that. The second one in the first half, the ball's gone, the player's gone, and, he just, you know, he just sticks a leg out. It's really unnecessary. You're, yeah, again, this goes back to my whole trial by slow, slow motion thing. The actual time between him sticking a leg out and the ball not being there is, is a fraction of a second. You know, he, he, is, he is a little bit 
you know, he's not the quickest. He is a bit laboured at times. You could, you, I know exactly the point you're making, but I'm just trying to present the other side of it. And that not, not one of these challenges is is him being malicious. It's, sometimes it's him being, maybe you could call him petulant. Maybe you could call them a little bit <laughs> unnecessary. It's still a foul. It doesn't matter if it's malicious yeah, or not. It's every, still a foul, every, and he did it fa- far too often. Yeah, but Nick, got... every, Nick, every foul isn't a yellow card, is it? And that's the problem I no, have No, but he it. was told not to do it anymore. They had to yeah, chat but, with... The, but yeah, with the but he... he was told not to do it, and he did it, so he got yeah, sent off. he isn't the only... I nearly swore. He isn't the only one doing it, though. If you Again, you go back and watch the game. There's plenty of other players <laughs> making exactly the same challenges. Yeah, and, but I've never I, watched I'm, the wait, game 16 yeah. times, Chris. I'm sorry. I know, I know, but what I'm saying... Again, the point I'm making isn't that Glenn Murray shouldn't have been sent off, but that's just that it's a soft sending off. It's such a soft yeah. sending off. And I agree with Pardew. I mean, the trouble is, I keep getting interrupted before I make my point. I agree with Pardew that, that you know, it's rather than it being a, you've let us down, Glenn, it's a, you actually feel sorry <laughs> for him in a way. Terence, I did ask you a question before Albert answered it. Um, you had a different view of the game. You found yourself pretty frustrated by it. Oh, for example, Mark Noble was one person who was making similar challenges and getting away with it. But I want to I want to move away slightly from that. The fact of the matter is, for the when the, in the build up to when he got sent off, the linesman raised his offside flag for punching his offside, and then. The referee doesn't see him do it and then he leaves it up for a couple of seconds and then he just puts it back down and carries on with play because the referee hasn't seen it and then Murray gets sent off. It should have been a free kick for West Ham. That scenario shouldn't have happened and then Amiobi comes on for Murray and he doesn't get sent off. Yeah, I want to to see an explanation from that linesman to say, well, you've raised your flag for offside. Why have you put it down? You you have say over the offsides, not the referee. You've got your flag in there. Why have you put it down? Yeah, you can see it quite clearly as well on, on, the, on the TV, and the, and the commentators acknowledge it. Stop trying to interrupt, Nick. Just wait and use the me system. Uh, <laughs> and, the, and, the <laughs> and the commentators are quite, you know, they, they say, okay, and that's an offside, and then all of a sudden, they just continues. It's a strange thing to, to put an advantage that way. Nick, come on, make your point. We've spent 40 minutes out of two shows talking about referee decisions. What's going on? I think it goes back to what I was saying. I think that they're either getting worse or the scrutiny is getting higher. One of the two things, but certainly the last few weeks, not just not just in Palace games, just generally in the Premier League, has been an awful lot of mistakes being made. Ben, I've got lo- there's loads of stuff from you. You've got some tweets. You've also put something up about Allardyce things and stuff as well. Um, yeah, I'll read Allardyce's comments just because I put them there. Uh, you can agree or disagree with this. I disagree, and I think everyone else probably would disagree. I think Glenn Murray could have been sent off in the first half for the number of fouls he committed. He was lucky to stay on for that long. We should have had a penalty for the foul on Diafra Sacco, and it should have been a red card for Mila Yednak too. That would have made it 3-2, and then you never know. So there's Mr. Allardyce for you. Can I, can I just make one thing? Say, yeah. uh, just to give uh, the Allardyce comments some context, um, Sam Allardyce also refers to himself as a sophisticated tactician. <laughs> off, off you go, Ben. Yep, exactly. Um <laughs> Terence's point on the offside is something I was going to bring up actually because I was watching um, a match today earlier and noticed it and I think it's absolutely ridiculous punching is clearly offside the linesman flag clearly goes up and why he hasn't stopped it I don't know just, but, I mean if the linesman had kept his flag up as well then fine even if it's five seconds later and he notices it, 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 oh, those flags are really heavier not. than they look Ben <laughs> <laughs> um, and some tweets as well um, Gary T123 everyone's favourite username says about Murray top performance shame we've not used him more this season Daniel Stone on Murray says good performance when supported if isolated looked way below par due to lack of mobility 
And Paul at the World Sea says that Sacco, Noble, Song and Cuyate could have and should have been booked multiple times each. Yeah, there you go. And I couldn't agree with that more. It's, it's exactly the point I was trying to make. Um, the, the Glenn seems to have been the one that's perhaps been done it more noticeably, but you know, but he, he seems to have been the one that's been picked out by the referee. And then Murray, again, he picked his words a bit carefully. Uh, and he, but he said he felt that the referee was just waiting to send him off. Um, and as soon as he got the opportunity, he, he took it and... You know, but there you go. I do think I do think it was right to send Glenn Murray off in the end. In all honesty, and um, he had a final warning, and he'd accepted that final warning. Everyone had spoken about it, um, and, and in a way, I suppose the question is: although Glenn Murray's accepted the sending off, and we've kind of accepted it off, do we think that the ref actually handled the situation with Glenn Murray well? Do we think he did the right thing? I don't I know. Him, yeah. I, he, he let him know where he stood. I think that is the right thing to do. Like. Credit where credit's due. Like if, if he's making, if we don't agree whether they're fouls or if he's been booked like for two times for four fouls, whether that's right or not, the referee told him this is where you're at. If you make another foul, you're off, and no doubt there. So I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, I think that's I, I think that's pretty pretty much where I was I was thinking when I put the I put the, the question down in my notes. It, I I don't I don't like the fact that one of our players has been sent off, and I can kind of begrudgingly agree it was the right thing to do. But I don't think that there was there could have been any surprise that it happened. I really don't. It, it, it was yeah. I think that if a referee is going to send one of our players off, and for those types of fouls, for such soft fouls, I think handling it the way he did was probably the best that. That we could hope for, but it did, of course, put us under an awful lot of pressure, and it took the shine off of a, of a great performance from Glenn Murray. Who, you know, whatever you say about him, he quite clearly has, well, what I would say the best striker's instincts at the club. And you know, I, I, I'm one of those people who questioned whether he would be the right person going forward to, you know, to play in the Premier League. And, and I'm really glad that he, he started to prove me my, my fears incorrect and starting to prove Alex White correct, which is the slightly less pleasing aspect. But, um. But also, yeah. also, uh, uh, Joel always said, if you cross it, he will score. Yeah, no, Joel was absolutely spot on with that. Yeah, um, and again, well, I'm sure Joel was delighted to see both Balassi and Wilf on the on the pitch at the same time as well, trying to get those crosses. It didn't quite work out that way, but funnily enough, I think that's what gave us a bit of space in the middle. In that we had Wilf on one wing and Balassi on the other wing, and you, quite often you do get the, the fullback and the and the sort of wide midfielder from West Ham, both occupied by those players. And it, it did leave a space in the middle. And Alex Song didn't really know who to pick up. And what he should have done was pick up Jason Punch, and he was just running things. But uh, just a quick sort of reference towards the West Ham goal. Um, obviously, we did get put under pressure with the Murray sending off. And, and it, was a, it was a powerful effort from Valencia. But I bet Spironi's going to be disappointed to get a full hand on it and it go in. Uh, Terence Shaw, the resident goalkeeper. Uh, your views on that one? Obviously, Spironi world-class stop later on. Um, but but that the goal. It's it's an it's another one. I keep saying it every week he's going to be disappointed with it in in himself. If you get that stronger hand to it, you want to save it. It was a well hit. It was a well hit shot, pretty powerful. But if you're getting that much of a hand on it, you, you saw by his reactions that he was he was a bit upset of himself. But I think he more than made up with it with the saves from Jenkinson and then later Valencia. Yeah, the, the the Jenkinson one, he's just obviously come out and got him, made himself as big as he can and the ball sort of, uh, I think, it may potentially even hit him in the face as he'd come out to get it. But the, the save from Valencia, it's a, you know, it's a full 35-yard effort, I guess, but I mean, when you see it from behind, basically behind the strike, uh, it's just going into what is essentially an empty net, 
it's just it's just flying in there, and all of a sudden he just springs out of nowhere and just this this hand just flicks. It, it looks like it looks like someone's thrown a cat into the mm. shot, just <laughs> <laughs> and it's just hit the ball. <laughs> it is, yeah, and that is someone. Someone should definitely do that with a good with a video. But it is it's a phenomenal stop, and it's I'm so happy to see that from him because. You know, we have, I suppose you've got to, certainly doing what we're doing, you know, talking about Palace every week, you've got to at times question him. And, and the worry is always, as I've said before, at some point, you know, we're going to need to replace him. But when he brings a save out like that, there's, there's just no, I, I don't really know. Again, you, you can't say for certain. You don't know if Hennessy would make that save. You don't know who would, but, you know, you know that Jules can and, and, st- and it still is making a save like that. It was, it was brilliant, really brilliant. Um, okay, let's talk Jason Punchin. We mentioned he was shocking for 15 minutes or so and found it difficult in the first half to sort of get his passes across but then just start having more and more of an influence on the game. Um, and it, he just looks a real a revelation in the centre. Uh, my, my view is this, that I, I've always I've said that out wide and I've given him some criticism to a point and, and I certainly gel on here has, has given him a bit of grief and, and, uh, quite rightly at times. And, um we know we all know he's probably he's one of if not he's up there with Schumacher in terms of our technical players in terms of the ability. Uh, and for me, when he plays out in the uh, wide, I've said before, I think he, he slows the game down at times because he wants to cut inside all the time uh, for playing out on the right. Playing central, he's already in the centre and he looks half a yard quicker. Uh, and he's you know he's running with the ball and no one really knows no one really can get close to him. It, it was absolutely he- superb. Is he the player we want? We always wanted Johnny Williams to be playing there. I know what you mean. I know exactly what you're talking about. The sort of rolling behind the striker, the sort of player who's buzzing around and sort of putting his foot in where where he can. But basically, is is the one who's trying to create everything and going forward rather than sideways. Exactly. Yeah. Always looking for the full pass. Didn't always come off. And like I say, I don't want to see him making too many backward passes again after those first few minutes in in that game. But. But this, this, you know, in terms of his ability in the ball, and his ability to pick a pass out, and again, his set, his set piece delivery was absolutely brilliant. He's just absolutely. Super- and, and a bit of statistic that came up during the game: um, he was the first Palace player. This was after the second goal. First Palace player to get two Premier League assists in one game since Lombardo, and then he got a third. So I don't know if there's anyone, anyone's ever got a, three assists. He was the game. only Palace player to ever to, to ever set up three goals in the Premier League for sure. There you go, brilliant. Um, I've, I've again. This, have you got any uh, further sort of views on on punching before I make my last point on him? Um, mm. Yeah, I have. Uh, out wide, he's so 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 one footed. It's ridiculous. I've only noticed it properly in the last sort of month or so. But he he never wants to touch the ball with his right foot, and he he will turn in circles just using his left. And it's not necessarily a, a massively bad thing because he's effective with his left foot. But when, now that he's moved in to the centre, well, now that yesterday he moved into the centre, and Arsenal, he, he's um, what did you say? I said and against Arsenal, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's it's another level, really. He sort of moved up a level, and I don't know whether that means that you know he should permanently be in there or whether he's still a winger. But I, I like pace on the wings, and a lot of Palace fans are the same. And when you've got Balassi and Zaha there, you, you've got that pace. And and like you say, Chris, punches sometimes slows it down, and that's. Just his style of play, really. He's got fantastic close control, and he does a different job to, to Zaha and Balassi. But yeah, I really, really liked him in the middle yesterday, and, and that shows by the fact that he had a terrible first fifteen minutes, but still managed to pick up man of the match at the end. Okay, um, yeah, I'm sorry, I've just noticed how much of the chat I've missed uh, from people saying me and various other comments. Nick, have you got anything from the chat room that I've missed? Um, something from a quick game that I'm not allowed to say. Yeah. Um, 
No, it's gone a bit, um, got a bit doolally in there, actually. They're, um, they're all talking about Jerry Murphy and um, <laughs> other old players. And I think it's because Gel's in there. It's suddenly got all old school. It's like Capital Gold in there suddenly. Mm. <laughs> you think you've made a faux pas there, but anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, my point I was going to make on punching, if, if no one else is going to uh, say anything else, is what are his England <laughs> chances? <Cool>. None. None? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's got a chance. No, really. Do you do you no, genuinely think he can get a call? You up? don't. You don't think a player play having that? Okay, early days for him in the centre. Pardew referred to it as a new position for him. So I think, I think he's going to get plenty more opportunities before the end of the season to continue playing there. If you're talking about England naming, a, you know, potentially experimental squads at times to see which players are, you know, could potentially come in. A player playing at that level in the Premier League, having that level of an influence on a game, um, you know. He is English, um, and he is one of our best players. So why on earth? Why on earth wouldn't he be considered for England? Okay, he's a Palace player, and you, they have to work a bit harder to get into an England squad. But you know, he's got to be one of the you know on his on his game. He's got to be one of the top performing top talents in the Premier League. That's English, surely. The top performing top talents, mate. Right. Sorry. Can, Tom, can you disconnect Nick until five seconds before the end of the show? Thanks. <laughs> right, he's, first of all, right. You've got far too many notes, Chris. Your PA, you, I hope you're paying her well. You've worked her really hard this afternoon, haven't you? I have indeed. Shut up now. Do you think his age goes against him a little bit? I mean, he's 28 now. Um, no, Mick Gusset. Yeah, I think that <laughs> no, is, he's, definitely, he's definitely not 28. That is definitely having an effect, his age today, I can tell you. <laughs> No, on punching, he's 28, and there's players... I mean, Harry Kane hasn't had a call-up yet. He hasn't, he, hasn't, well, he's had, he hasn't played a game for England yet. And someone like that who's been better than, than punching this season, surely a player like him is going to be first for a call-up. Well, yeah, I mean, they're different positions, really, aren't they? I, I'm, I'm expecting mm. Harry Kane to be named in the squad next time next time round. But I'm just saying, if Jason Punchin produces those sort of performances... Am I insane for saying it, Terrence? Well, when are you talking? I mean, there's a game in March. Are you saying that Punchin should be called up for that? Uh, if he kept up this level of performance, potentially, mm. but maybe, maybe, maybe that's a, maybe it's a game too soon, maybe. But I think he's got to be under consideration. I'm just saying it because you know where else does he go from here? How much better does he have to play? Who's how many people uh, who can play? Are there in the England squad who can play the game like he plays the game? Well, yeah. I think we can't. That decision can't be made yet in, that position, in the position he's playing. Currently, nobody has a plan for punching in that position when they play Crystal Palace because it's a new thing. When it starts to become a regular thing and teams start to actually put in a plan to defend against him, that's when you actually tell how good he is in the position because at the moment he's just being given free reign in there because teams are not planning for it and it's completely open. That will work in our favour in the long run because if they have to close him down, it opens up space in other areas of the field and if you want to leave space for Balassi and Zaha, go ahead. But... In, in terms of an England call up and moving that far ahead in this sort of, in playing in a central position, he needs to do it for a little bit longer in there and when they have teams planning against him for me. Okay. So that's a really, really good point and I enjoyed that immensely. You're right. He, he has, because he has got, um, you know, certainly in the game yesterday, he had so much space in the middle there. Purely because, like you say, no one was really picking him up and the focus was on stopping our wide players. Um, so that's a really good point. Um, but I, I just, I genuinely do feel that he's he's one of the most talented English players in the Premier League, and that for me is one of the criteria. It's the criteria, isn't it? Playing in the top division, nationality English, lot of talent. 
Uh, it's just consistency of performance. If he can keep influencing games the way he's influencing him, influencing him, I, I generally feel he's got to have a shout. And I don't as long as he, he as long as he stops having those sort of first fifteen minutes because he's got still yeah. consistency consistently, yeah. and, and stops having off field antics that won't go in your favour. We're getting an England call up. Yeah, no, another good point there as well. And he doesn't seem to stop Stephen Gerrard, Wayne Rooney, Rio <laughs> Ferdinand, <laughs> Ashley Cole. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they yeah. play for the big four, so they're an, obje- they're an exception to the rule, you know? Are you uh, saying the top four get exceptions? No, come on, that's lies, no. all of it. Or mad. No, Ben Nagel's saying that. <laughs> he is, he'll write an article about it soon. Ben, of your articles that you've written for the Sports Mail, yeah. what, what is your... What is your, should we say, least favourite of the most of most recent times? Have you got um, have you got oh, any there you can refer to? Um, I, do you want a list? No, well, no. We, I'll what? tell you the one that I told you earlier. Right. So yeah. today um, I worked at the Mail, and the headline of one of my articles is as follows: Match of the Day <laughs> commentator Jonathan Pierce soaked by Emirates sprinkler ahead of Arsenal's game with Everton. Oh, what what happened? <laughs> Tony Cruz presents Best International Music Award to singer Ollie Mers at Golden Camera Award Ceremony in Hamburg. Ben, I'm so proud of you. You've come from Homestead Radio. I got one more. I got one more. Blue and black or white and gold? Man City star Yaya Torre has made his mind up, but what do you think? (laughs) Are you fine? Can I go back to the Ollie Mers to Tony Cruz one? Yeah. Is there there more after that? Because it's... Um... (laughs) Because uh, Tony well, Cruz presents a award to Ollie Mers is kind of the November, story for me. In November, Tony Cruz had tweeted Ollie Mers telling him that he liked his new single. Uh, that so that was that was part of it. Um, yeah, that, that's it. That's it. There. Sort of. I'm really okay. Ben, I'm really enjoying your work, Ben. Um, <laughs> can I just re- sort of regain some credibility and say yes, that you can, yeah. I do. I do proper articles as well, and that's uh, I only sell my soul a, a couple of times a day. You do, Ben, and I, have to, I am genuinely very proud of you. Other <laughs> newspapers are available. Dues, ben, don't listen to them. Pay your dues, mate. <laughs> don't listen to what they're saying. <laughs> should, we, should we tell the, our listeners what we were going to call this weekly? Delve no. Into... No, no right. please, I can't have you do that pun on air. It was weak. So, oh, anyway. anyway. Um, Chris, I'll tweet to... it. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, can you clarify how many pages we are through your notes? We're most of the way through. Um, I've deleted several things that um, I just felt that I would perhaps be over-egging certain puddings. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sexy. It does, really does. And it's made me hungry, which is two of my favourite things. Um, Set pieces. Well, we still moan that we can't take a corner, um, yet apparently we've got the most goals in set pieces in the Premier League. Joint with Arsenal, correct. Pretty phenomenal, really, isn't it? Um, Not all set pieces are corners, though. No, no, that's that's true. But I mean, delivery into the box. I can, I kind of find it the most frustrating thing um, watching Palace games. In that, I just it just does feel, and we I must be wrong at this, but it does feel that so many, too many of our deliveries go straight in the hands of the keeper or or a non-threatening or you know hit the first player, and and it's just it, it feels that that happens all the time, but. Quite clearly, we're doing something right, and I guess maybe the success rate of the delivery is perhaps not as good as 
uh, sorry, it's, it's not great. Maybe the, you know getting the delivery right, success rate is low, but the actual success rate in terms of scoring a goal is quite clearly high. Um, I don't really know what to make of it, but certainly not having a consistent set piece taker seems to be a factor because I think Punchin's really got got that role in in recent times, but it's, it has sort of moved about a bit. I mean, Gale, when he plays, starts out on the left, has been taking corners and free kicks, and who else? Well, much has had a quick couple of goes, and Bannon when he's played, and. Uh, I'm sure Sean McArthur has had a few. Yannick. Yannick, yeah. Yeah, it, it seems to have been the sort of trying to find the right ingredients, I guess, and it does vary. But it's it's a good statistic to have, and according to Allardyce, 50% of our goals have been scored through set pieces, so impressive stuff. Just a, just a point of order. Clearly, we haven't got much more to say on that. Um, overall, um, I'll just say, how good is it that we, we could beat a team push, pushing for Europe? Okay, not in the best of form, uh, but we've beaten a this team pushing for Europe and in their own ground and you can still go to the message boards and find people finding faults with our team and one of those that sort of st- uh, stuck out for me on the BBS was someone c- describing Alan Pardew as a lucky manager and that he was lucky that Jordan Much got injured and then you know obviously we nearly got punished for sub not subbing Glenn Murray earlier earlier on it's crap isn't it Alan Pardew's not a lucky manager he's a good manager right he's a good manager good for us at the moment isn't he yeah so on that um style of play he has changed it hasn't he nick um he has and he's he's rotating players as well so where we've been looking for a set lineup every week we know we're going to get a different lineup every week which is good it shows he's thinking about each game as it comes cliche sorry but it's he's he's yeah he's, he's playing against it whoever he's playing against and picking them he's he's doing really well and we are attacking and okay, we didn't have possession yesterday that we did against Arsenal. Um, and I think we did ride our luck up here. I mean, West Ham did hit the woodwork twice. It had another day, it could have been a very different result. But oh, yeah. We're playing, I mean, we're playing with confidence. We're, we're going forward. We're not afraid to go forward. And that yeah. and that's the palace we want to see, really, isn't it? Score more it, than them. It is, yeah. Obviously, we got more possession than Arsenal. I think um, West Ham shaded the possession at... Um, in the game yesterday, but it's it's it's, it's high high pressing. It's a lot of quick passing. It's much more possession based. Uh, it doesn't always work, you know. When we when we sort of lose a bit of cohesion, the ball does still go long and into the channels. But he's due an awful lot of credit for that change. And it's sort of go back to a game like yesterday, and you think that okay, they've hit the West Ham have hit the bar at nil nil. They had a decent ish opening twenty twenty five minutes where they probably slightly shaded it, but then we dominated that game afterwards. And you sort of walk away from that and you go. West Ham fans will tell you that they were bad, um, but I think we're now at a stage where we can actually say no, no, we were good. We were we were very, very good. Mm. And the pundits yeah. pundits are starting to pick up on it. Even Jamie, even Jamie Redknapp was saying that you know Palace are a really, really good side now, and it is starting to feel like that. Wouldn't you agree, Benjamin? I definitely would. Yeah, I think we're uh, we're getting a little bit more respect, and it's the respect that we deserve. Um, and you know, I think with Pardew, um, you know, and with our current squad, that's only going to get better. And I mean. We're above Everton in the table. You can't you can't moan at that. I mean, they're a very good side. They're playing in Europe, and uh, you know we're we're above them, so it's all all good. Yeah, and uh, an interesting statistic you found there, Albert. Yeah, I, I, I it was I read out that six away wins on the bounce, which completely I, I wasn't even aware we'd won five on the bounce away wins. So um, it's five five away wins on the bounce, seven unbeaten. <laughs> Five away wins on the bounce, which is a stat that completely that definitely bypassed me because I got it wrong. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I like his. It's um, incredible. 
it's it's fantastic, isn't it? And um, I wish I'd go to more away games. I I genuinely wanted to go to West Ham yesterday, but I I thought I'm paying forty three quid to take in liberties twenty five yeah, quid each for the boys, and it was quite full, you know. So so good luck to me yeah. if I want to pay that much, but you know. No, I was going um, to pay for. Obviously, obviously, I didn't. I didn't go for for the cost reasons as well. And let's say, I suppose, if I had a bit more money, I probably would have gone. But um, I was going to write an article on it, but then Terence wrote a much much better one on RedAndBlueArmy.co.uk. It's really good, mate. Thanks. No worries. <laughs> Should read it, everybody. If you haven't read it now, I'll no, not now. It. After the show, and Terence will retweet it. There you go. And I'll try and remember to retweet it from the whole radio account. Can we can um, we hear um, Albert's um, Jonathan Pierce Robot Wars anecdote, please? Yeah. Well, there's not there's not not much to it really. Uh, just yeah, ben, ben, wait, Ben will still write a story about it. Go on. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, no, just uh, after after that game at Stockport, um, we were getting back in the car in some dodgy car park on the outskirts of Stockport. Jonathan Pierce was probably about fifty yards away, getting into a car and um, being you know high on adrenaline and probably only about. 15 years old I just didn't have anything better to say than just I just shouted robot wars at him that was it <laughs> I'm sure he treasures that moment he probably still talks the best th- the best thing about it is that you know you know uh, in like slightly older cars when the back windows only open on that hinge for about an inch and a half <laughs> I had to really stick my face out of that gap to to execute <laughs> the heckle <laughs> oh, good stuff all right, well, we're grinding down to a hole. We've got some four-word reviews to come in just a moment. Uh, we talked about the style of play there. But just want to have a quick lean towards... Um, actually, no, before we have a quick lean towards Southampton, uh, can we have, what do you think about... Um, certainly with, with Jordan Much going out. Um, sorry, getting injured. What do we think about Gediora being allowed to leave? Go on, Terence. I'll give you this one. Um, I think as soon as Jordan Much came in, I... It doesn't surprise me that he's gone. I mean, I've liked him every time he's he's come on and played for us. Um, but it's just one of those things, probably a bit like Bannon as well. It just looks like it's never going to really work out for him. Yeah, it's it's a shame, isn't it? He really obviously impressed Pardew sort of very early on. He, you know, described him as a maverick, and that's where we get all that from. But it's just, yeah, it's this doesn't seem to be a place for him. And I can't, for the life of me, think of a player. Who's, I mean, everyone used to talk about O'Keefe never letting us down, but. You know, I, I suppose. No, I suppose Gediora comes into that category, doesn't he? You know, he's he's been asked to do sometimes in sort of unfamiliar positions in the team, but he's always looked good. But yeah, just a strange one. It was a good signing at the time. But there you go. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. But it does look like we're um, we're looking elsewhere in the central midfield. And it's a good signing for Watford, certainly, as they're pushing to get promotion. It, you know, he was decent there on loan last time, and I'm sure he'll be good again. Uh, four word reviews just to sign the the game off. Sean Diamond has gone for Europa League awaits us. Tony Pierce has gone for who could we catch? Simon Proger has gone for we are staying up. Jay Harding has gone for cracking away T points. Away T points. Three points. Three, three points. points. Let's go with three points. Uh, love seeing unhappy hammers from Terry and Kirsty. Um, uh, Annette Trayton has gone for magic bubbles day out. And then some other things. That was, that was the Michael Jackson one, that one you read out by accident. <laughs> it was, yeah. Well done. Good topical joke, Nick. Uh, Will Cunningham has gone for getting their palace. And from Twitter, we've got Mark Stiller with Genius Team Selection Pardew. Uh, super Brad, who's not just a regular Brad, he is a super Brad. Uh, he's gone genius for Team Selection is only three words. <laughs> yeah, Pardew. Uh, like, it's, it's like he had the three words, Genius Team Selection. He's went, mm, Pardew. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. <laughs> Good work. Bob White's gone for set pieces win games. Daisy's gone for three points. Well deserved. Oh, dear. Uh, I've got one that isn't four words, but it's kind of... It's used £43, like, but as as a pound sign and the number 43 as a word. Do we let that happen? Yeah, it's hyphenated, so it counts as one. Really? What do you think, Ben? You're a journalist. Go on, then. Yeah. All right, so, so 40, we'll 40, journalist versus teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 43 pounds value for money. That's from TJ. Matt Searle has gone for a set-piece victory. Ben Fleury heading goals for Palace. That's a reference to Glenn. Uh, Little Monica's gone for We Only Win Away. Uh, Lucy's been greedy and gone for three. Jedinak's questionable Spanish archer. Punchin is a hero and Muzza must always start. Uh, there we go. Um, that's a forward view. So I want to sort of finish the show today by just a quick reference to the fact that we're playing on Tuesday against Southampton and what we would like to see for that game. First of all, uh, I'll go to each of you for this one. Albert, I'm going to give you this one. Does Kelly keep his place? Yes. Good work. On other reasons that apply and that people will be able to extrapolate from your comment that that is what you mean. Uh, yeah, you've confused me now. Yeah. All right. It, Kelly keeps his place, according to Albert. Ben, who goes in the middle if Jedernak is going to be out? Um, it's, well, it's got to be MacArthur and Ledley, really, isn't it? Because... Uh, if if Jednak is not there, if Match is not there, then quite simply you play those two in there, and then you play uh, Punching through the middle. Hmm. Okay then, um, hmm. Terence, you can have who plays up front. Oh, interesting. I thought um, I thought Shola Ramiobi actually did all right when he came on. Um, the opportunities he had when the ball came to him, he, the ball stuck to him pretty well. Um, if he's match fit enough to go ninety minutes, probably not. So. But we all know that the, the troubles Gal can have up on his own. So it's a tough one, but I'll probably go for Gal ahead of Amiobi. Okay, it's interesting you bring up Amiobi. Peter Strutt emailed earlier on, be interested to get a whole radio view on a show that Amiobi clearly not had much of a chance to show what he can do. Seemed to hold the ball up well when we were at 10 minutes on Saturday, but not likely to achieve much on his own. So basically similar to what you, you said there, and I think I think at the moment it's too early to tell what, what kind of a role he's going to have at Palace, but um, there's, a, there's a chance that he could start, certainly, I think. Um, because the, the worry is always whether or not Gale is up to uh, to playing as a lone striker, and I guess it, it, it's really the team that. If I think if we're going to start Wilf and Balassi out wide again, I, I think I can see it being Amiobi over Gale. In all honesty, but be an interesting one. Um, <clears throat> so uh, Nick, you can have other three points there for the taking, given Southampton's slightly ropey form at the moment. Well, if we say things like that, then no, because that's the Palace way. If we just say it's a tough game, we'll we'll get the three points. All right, but then, but by saying that we'll get the three points at the end of that sentence, haven't you then jinxed it in the same way that you've just said it? Uh, perhaps. Who knows? All right. Good work. Uh, let's think it further. Southampton can't score for Toffee at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. I was I was thinking with with the striker shortage that we'd have have Kelly and Suarez playing with Ward playing off of Gale up front because he's missed <laughs> a versatility. All right, sorry, I've been distracted by other things as well. But yeah, um, okay, yeah. Uh, just another message from, we've got a message from KJB saying that Glenn hasn't really changed his style and the drawback of playing in the Premiership 
Premier League is that everything is highlighted. <laughs> That's a very good point. I had to correct it because I've probably corrected myself from saying Premiership as well. Uh, we've got missing a four-word review that's missing from earlier from, from Irish Bren. Hammer's given the elbow, which is possibly one of the most creative ones. Well done there. Uh, thanks for all your contacts today. That was marvellous. Um, I am I'm, going to end the show there. Can I start by thanking you for listening once more? Uh, a good, big thank you to producer Tom for not making too many mistakes today. Uh, <laughs> cheers, Albert. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Terence. Nick, you interrupted way too much today, and you didn't use the me system. But thank you anyway. Right. Um, yeah, and the cat started attacking the microphone, which I did just hear. Well done, Nick. Uh, thank you so much for everyone for listening today, and we'll be back probably not next week because we haven't got a game, have we? But we got the Southampton game. Oh, it's such a conundrum. Keep an eye on the HOL Radio Twitter, and you'll uh, find out when we're next on. Until then, goodbye. Element news, views, and reviews on Crystal Palace. www.theeagleselement.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health. We understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.